My name is Sean Prentice and I'm a Masters of Clinical Psychology and PhD candidate in the School of Psychology at the University of Adelaide, South Australia. And I'm Associate Professor Jill Benson, a Senior Medical Educator with GPEX, the GP Training Organisation for South Australia. Today we'll be reading our paper entitled Burnout, Wellbeing and How They Relate, a Qualitative Study in General Practice Trainees, which comes from my PhD. Introduction. Burnout is associated with substantial personal, professional and societal costs. Despite much literature documenting risk factors alongside interventions for postgraduate medical trainees, burnout among this group remains a major concern. We contend that a core contributor to this situation is conceptual confusion regarding burnout, characterised by untested assumptions and a lack of construct clarity. The Leiter and Maslap model via the Maslap Burnout Inventory has dominated this predominantly quantitative literature. However, we are unaware of any theoretical justification for the superiority of this model in a medical context over the plethora of alternatives. Indeed, current models of burnout may inadequately capture trainees' experiences. This occurs in a broader research effort to re-examine burnout as a phenomenon. This knowledge gap in combination with evidence that burnout may have contextually influenced presentations, for example, as per different versions of the Maslach burnout inventory, suggests a need for medicine-specific investigation of what burnout is. This research will help to determine which, if any model, is most applicable. To date, only five studies have qualitatively examined burnout experiences in trainees. Two qualitative studies provided a brief account of relevant symptoms, for example, doubt, disengagement, exhaustion, and relationship deterioration. A further three studies engaged in a more in-depth examination among family medicine and emergency medicine trainees. However, none of these studies offer an overarching model of how burnout develops. Moreover, only one study has triangulated trainees' experiences with other data sources, for example, faculty and supervisors. Such triangulation may provide insight into external burnout manifestations, complementing trainees' experiences and perceptions. Conceptual confusion in this area is compounded by minimal exploration of trainees' well-being. Some factors, for example, workload, and work-family conflict appear to show mixed relationships with trainee burnout and well-being. It follows that just as disease prevention and health promotion are distinct, a sole focus on burnout prevention is insufficient to promote well-being. Accordingly, we need to clearly define well-being to understand how to promote it. In doing so, Making reference to burnout will be crucial to understand similarities and differences in intervention design and intent. Explorations of burnout and wellbeing must also be sensitive to observed specialty differences in burnout symptom patterns, particularly since these may affect interventional responses. For example, whereas reduced motivation and self-worth were common to emergency medicine and family medicine trainees, Cynicism and physical exhaustion were not shared. These data were supported by a recent meta-analysis which noted considerably different symptom profiles based on trainee specialty. To understand the phenomena, initial explorations of both constructs should therefore be confined to a single specialty. 
We sought to use a post-positivist paradigm to qualitatively explore burnout and wellbeing to determine whether pre-existing models adequately capture trainee experiences and perceptions. We also aim to understand how these constructs relate to one another. We confine the scope of this study to general practice training, owing to the importance of specialty differences and the availability of a recent review on this topic. Additionally, the prevalence of burnout within this group means trainees would likely have either experienced burnout or known a colleague who had. Our research questions were, what does burnout mean for general practice trainees? And what does well-being mean for general practice trainees? Section two, methods. The University of Adelaide Human Research Ethics Committee granted ethical approval for this study. Rationale. Our motivation for this study originated with a systematic review of burnout estimates among postgraduate medical trainees. From this review, we learned that there is considerable heterogeneity in how burnout is operationalised. Even among studies that utilise the Maslach Burnout Inventory, Human Services Survey and its derivates, including the medical personnel version, we identified 25 unique definitions of burnout caseness across 182 studies. These findings mirror those of Rosenstein and colleagues, leading us to question how burnout should best be operationalised. In further exploring the above literature, we came to pose our research questions. To this end, we felt grounded theory offered a comprehensive means for inductively generating a theoretical account of these psychological phenomena. We executed this within a post-positivist stance in keeping with the methodology's original position, as our objective was to generate a model or models that could be somewhat transferable beyond the context of this study. Under this stance, we accepted a critical realist perspective that burnout and well-being are states that exist, but that our ability as researchers to understand their true nature is impeded by human subjectivity and interpretation. Context. We completed this study in the Australian GP training setting. In Australia, following completion of a medical degree, medical trainees complete a year as an intern in a hospital rotating through different specialties. Following this, trainees have the option to apply to complete specialist training. Trainees accepted into the Australian GP training program, known as GP registrars, can complete their training with one of two colleges, the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners, RACGP, or the Australian College of Rural and Remote Medicine, ACRAM. At the time of writing, this training is delivered by 10 training organisations with whom most trainees train, although alternative options are available, for example, independent pathways. For most of GP training, registrars must complete training placements under the supervision of an accredited supervisor. These placements are served for at least one six-month period, called a term, with the option to extend the placement for a further term. Training typically occurs over three training terms. To complete GP training and become a qualified GP, registrars must complete the Australian GP training program requirements and pass a series of exams set by the college with whom the registrar is training. Procedures. We recruited participants from a single training organisation to maximise our contextual understanding. We believe this would not overly distort the sample given that registrars spend most of their time working within practices rather than interfacing with the training organisation. This meant there was already a substantial degree of variability in participants' experiences. Data collection comprised two forms that occurred concurrently, interviews with registrars and focus groups with other stakeholder groups.
we spoke with various stakeholders to provide self and other reports. This allowed us to triangulate these reports. Furthermore, we postulated that comparing internal and external perceptions of the phenomena may be informative for burnout monitoring efforts. Due to the sensitivity of the topic, we chose to use interviews with registrars to promote open and truthful discussion and disclosure of these experiences. We used focus groups with other stakeholders, as this involved discussing registrars in general rather than their personal experiences. The focus group also provided opportunity to build upon each other's experiences and observations. Registrars were eligible to participate if they were in their second term or later, as we sought the viewpoints of trainees who could reflect on their experiences in general practice. Given the stigma associated with burnout, we anticipated that requiring prospective participants to self-identify as experiencing burnout could dissuade many from participating in our study. As the training organisation supported this study, registrars may also have perceived risks regarding their training status. We did not want to skew the sample by only speaking to those who were open about their personal experiences, thereby distorting the representation of the phenomena of interest. Accordingly, personal experience of burnout was not an eligibility criterion. All eligible registrars were emailed an invitation to participate in a one-hour semi-structured interview examining their understanding of burnout and wellbeing. Participating registrars were reimbursed in accordance with RACGP guidelines. Invitation emails were also sent to supervisors, training coordinators, hereafter coordinators, and medical educators, hereafter educators, to participate in separate focus groups. Supervisors are qualified GPs who typically work in the same practice as a registrar and teach, assess, and oversee registrar's medical practice. Coordinators are training organisation staff who offer administrative support in guiding registrars through the training program. Educators are qualified GPs involved in the education and assessment of registrars. Separate focus groups for supervisors, coordinators and educators were held during training organisation paid working time. Participants were not otherwise compensated. All email invitations included participant information sheets detailing the study's purpose, requirements, risks and benefits of participating, the withdrawal options, data management and usage processes, and contact details for the Researchers and Human Research Ethics Committee. At the beginning of each interview and focus group, we reminded participants of the study's purpose and gave them an opportunity to ask questions. We also assured participants of the confidentiality of their interview or focus group. We continued sampling among all groups until all individuals who had expressed interest in participating had participated, were no longer interested, or could not be contacted. We pursued this recruitment strategy given the personal significance of the subject matter. Although there has been recent debate about the merits of saturation, from a post-positivist perspective, we emphasise the data's comprehensiveness. We define saturation as when no new themes or codes emerged from the data. We also evaluated participant characteristics, that is, stakeholder groups, gender, stage of training and geographic location, to ensure that diverse perspectives were sought. The same question schedule was used in all interviews and focus groups. However, I adjusted prompts as data collection progressed to reflect issues emerging from preliminary data analysis. Given interviews and focus groups occurred concurrently, these data interacted at the collection stage. Questions focused on understanding stakeholders' perceptions of burnout and wellbeing. Where possible, exploring observations or, where volunteered, participants' personal experiences. I conducted all interviews and focus groups, either face-to-face -face or via Zoom, from August to November 2019. 
Although I held pre-existing professional relationships with some participants, I did not hold a position of power in these relationships and found the pre-existing rapport facilitated rather than impeded the data collection. Where participants consented, we audio recorded interviews and focus groups. Only I had access to these recordings. I transcribed these verbatim, reviewed them for accuracy and removed identifying information, for example, locations and names. For participants who did not consent to be audio recorded, we used my notes in place of a transcript. I labeled transcripts with the participant type, coordinator, educator, registrar, supervisor, data collection method, interview or focus group, and chronological number. We then imported transcripts into NVivo qualitative software version 12 for Windows, noting demographic details as case attributes. Analysis. Each transcript represented a single unit of analysis, with interview and focus group transcripts analysed within the one coding framework. I began analysis by immersing myself in each interview or focus group as part of the transcribing process, identifying general themes emerging from each. Once we finalised data collection, I selected an initial transcript informed by this preliminary analysis that was broadly representative of the themes to commence analysis. Both analysts, myself and Dr. Taryn Elliott, analysed this transcript separately to permit investigator triangulation. Both analysts had a background in psychology and medical education research and were affiliated with the training organisation where recruitment occurred. This provided us with a rich contextual understanding, enhancing our ability to understand participants' experiences. We were also conscious that these backgrounds may have impeded our openness to the data, risking forcing themes from the data. To raise our awareness of the contribution of these perspectives, we employed two strategies. First, Associate Professor Diana Dawston, who is not affiliated with the training organisation, reviewed all findings to provide an alternative perspective. Second, Taryn and I met repeatedly during analysis to compare our coding structures, offering a forum to explore the differences in how and why content was coded. Similarly, I had a greater awareness of the burnout theory literature than Taryn, so coding comparisons allowed us to explore whether my theoretical knowledge may have shaped my approach to analysis. Procedurally, we analysed the data using template analysis by using the research questions as categories to organise the development of codes. We coded the data within Vivo to highlight segments of transcripts and store these in codes. After analysing each transcript, the analysts reviewed the coding structure to identify themes emerging from the codes. Analysts kept an audit trail within NVivo, recording their decisions regarding coding structure development. Once Taryn and I had analysed the first transcript, we fused our coding structures in a consensus meeting. I then applied and extended this coding structure to the remaining transcripts reviewed the coding structure for consistency and to identify overarching themes, then recoded all transcripts using this revised structure. In this second round of coding, I paid particular attention to the evidence within the data of relationships between themes, that is axial coding. Once we finalised analysis, I ran a series of matrix questions in NVivo to compare the presence of each theme across different stakeholder groups, permitting triangulation between data sources. From a post-positivist perspective, we were also interested in the coding structure's robustness. We therefore undertook two rounds of intercoder agreement coding. Each round involved Taryn coding a new transcript and a consensus meeting between Taryn and myself to discuss disagreements and make a final decision. Intercoder agreement 
calculated as the number of agreements divided by the sum of the number of agreements and disagreements reached 95%. We elected simple percentage agreement as the 40 generated codes reduced the likelihood of chance agreement. Additionally, being an exploratory study, we did not specify a coding unit, for example, a sentence or a paragraph, to optimise the relevance of content stored within a code, thereby preventing quantification of instances of agreeing to exclude content. Once the coding process was finalised, we presented it to Diana to review the findings coherence. No changes were made to coding from this. Section 3, Results. Participant Characteristics. 47 individuals participated in the study. 14 registrars completed interviews, while 15 educators, 13 supervisors and 5 coordinators participated in 5 focus groups. One interview was not audio recorded. The high proportion of female coordinators and registrars in the sample reflects the gender composition of both groups. What is burnout? Symptoms. When asked to describe burnout, participants' responses coalesced under seven themes. Notably, the registrar and supervisor datasets both raised each of the seven themes. Coordinators and educators who have less involvement with registrars reported fewer themes. Altered emotion. A supervisor said it could be anywhere on a broad spectrum of depression anxiety, could be at either end of that spectrum, which is affecting all the things in his life, not only work, but everything. Participants often noted that registrars experiencing burnout displayed emotional changes. These emotions ranged from getting more curt or snappy and anger to anxiety and crying, but also depressive symptoms and flat affect. Compromised performance. A registrar said it probably would start impacting on their performance at work, both in terms of efficiency and time management, but also in their ability to sort of interact with patients in a helpful way, probably more likely to make mistakes. Participants believe that registrars experiencing burnout would display impaired professional performance. Suggested manifestations include inefficiency, such as consistently running late for appointments, Reduced quality of care, including medical mistakes, missing deadlines, particularly for educational assignments, and acting inappropriately or unprofessionally. Disengagement. A registrar said they're just doing the bare minimum and just trying to get through day by day rather than actually focusing on the patient. Participants in every interview and focus group believed burnout would involve the registrar experiencing disinterest in their work and learning. Manifestations fell under three sub-themes. Avoidance behaviours, that is avoiding work or withdrawing from professional relationships. Mechanisation, that is investing minimal effort, displaying reduced enthusiasm and being unreceptive to new ideas or feedback. And non-adherence, that is not meeting practice or training organisation requirements, including absence, tardiness and non-compliance with educational assessments. Dissatisfaction. A supervisor said, I think we're all, we all do the job because we enjoy it. And if you lose that enjoyment of the job, that sort of makes it hard to function. Participants believe burnout also entailed a sense of dissatisfaction with work and training. This could manifest as complaining, pessimism, a loss of perceived meaningfulness and doubting one's career choice. Exhaustion. A registrar said, I guess you can obviously get the physical fatigue from not sleeping enough. But then I think there's emotional fatigue, feeling, I guess, just emotionally drained. 
I guess it's hard to kind of describe how that presents, but I think just feeling tired from the number of patients that you're seeing and just like decisions you're making can cause mental or emotional fatigue. Participants regularly raise the concept of exhaustion. Although this could manifest emotionally, that is emotional depletion and reduced empathy, it could also be mental, for example, reduced initiative, or physical, that is fatigue. Feeling overwhelmed. A training coordinator said they're feeling like they're working too much and not able to have any time spare, even if they enjoy work, but they just still have not got time to do anything other than work. So they do not have time for their family or their hobbies and they just get to the point where they can't cope really or gets too much. All groups suggested that registrars would constantly feel time pressured and overworked. This could prompt registrars to adopt maladaptive coping strategies, for example, alcohol, binge watching and fast food. Additional manifestations of feeling overwhelmed were explored through the sub-themes of pruning, where registrars' outside activities, such as their hobbies and self-care, would be reduced to increase the time to dedicate to work and study, and a reduced sense of self-efficacy or feelings of powerlessness alongside decreased confidence and resilience. Interestingly though, feeling overwhelmed did not emerge within each registrar interview. It was universally raised within the other data sets, suggesting that this feeling may be more apparent to others than registrars themselves. Overexertion. Someone trying to work harder or overworking, said a training coordinator. A rarely discussed symptom was registrars physically and mentally pushing themselves to the limit to meet work demands. This could involve working longer hours or reduced sleep. Participants suggested that this was more likely to manifest at an early stage of burnout. Characteristics of burnout. Burnout was unanimously described as lying on a spectrum. Participants believed that as burnout exacerbated, symptoms would become more visible and there would be increased complaints and concern feedback from others. However, they also perceived that the more severe burnout became, the less willing registrars were to admit experiencing it. Furthermore, whereas some of the above themes, for example, dissatisfaction and compromised performance indicated severe burnout, other symptoms could be present from the start and exacerbate. For example, where exhaustion could initially manifest as reduced empathy, this would morph into emotional depletion as registrars burnout intensified. There was contention about the relationship between registrars' insight and burnout severity. Some argued that insight would increase because of the heightened visibility of their burnout, whereas others maintained that greater exhaustion could impede insight. Another dis disagreement concerned the directionality of spillover for burnout severity. While some thought burnout symptoms would initially manifest in registrars' professional life and then emerge into their personal life as the syndrome worsened, Others believed the opposite would occur. Participants noted that whether a symptom constituted burnout required understanding of the situational and individual contexts, especially the registrar's baseline level of function. For example, while not engaging with others could be concerning, participants comment that this could be normal for highly introverted registrars. Likewise, disengagement and dissatisfaction could stem from a registrar wanting to change their career, rather indicating bur burnout. 
Participants also explored presentation differences, including the belief that rural and urban ed registrars displayed similar burnout symptoms. However, some suggested that the smaller communities in rural areas reduced registrars' ability to mask their symptoms, making burnout more visible. There were mixed views regarding presentation differences between junior and senior registrars. Some perceived similar experiences across groups, whereas others suggested that burnout among senior registrars may be more severe and potentially worsen over time. Many also suggested differences in the nature of the symptoms, with junior registrars being overwhelmed, whereas senior registrars were more disengaged and exhausted. What is wellbeing? Although two participants remarked that they had never encountered a well registrar, the consensus was that registrars' wellbeing involved an interaction between personal and professional domains fueled by an underlying wellbeing reservoir. Personal wellbeing. Registrar's personal domain was explored through four themes. The first concerned physical well-being or health. This was largely discussed in terms of fitness, although some also commented on diet and sleep. The second theme was psychological or emotional well-being. This included an awareness of one's general well-being and a capacity for empathy, as well as experiencing positive emotions. The third theme related to the need for strong social networks with friends and family. The final theme related to outside interests such as hobbies. Participants believed these were necessary to achieve fulfilment. Professional wellbeing. The dominant of the five themes identified here concern the level of relational engagement with colleagues, including practice staff, peers, and training organisation staff. One educator furthered this, suggesting that pro-social behaviours, for example, trying to help their peers, were an important sign of wellbeing. The second theme involved professional competence or the quality and efficiency of one's work. The third theme, highlighted only by registrars, concerned a sense of self-confidence to practice. This confidence allowed them to acknowledge their own vulnerability and help them seek support when needed. However, some cautioned that excessive confidence could be dangerous for the registrar and their patients. A further theme of professional wellbeing involved deriving rewards or satisfaction from one's job. The final theme concerned registrars' commitment to their job, including a commitment to provide high-quality care and going above and beyond to meet patients' individual needs. Interactions between personal and professional domains. Registrars' state of well-being was described in terms of their personal and professional interactions, both of which were connected through a well-being reservoir. This reservoir held the physical and emotional energy that registrars consumed to engage in their daily activities. Engaging in activities that fulfilled one's values and goals helped to fuel this energy reserve. A further element, the personal-professional interface, was perceived as a critical conduit linking the demands and fulfilment across registrars' personal and professional lives. Interrelated subthemes of fulfilment and replenishment were also identified. Registrars were seen as having individual values and goals that could be fulfilled through engaging in personal and or professional activities. The nature and relative importance of these values and goals vary between individuals due to one, the specific manifestations of different wellbeing facets, for example, what constituted a rewarding job, two, each facet's relative importance, and three, how values and goals could be fulfilled. The combination of these factors produced a unique profile that determined a registrar's optimal ratio or work-life balance. How do burnout and wellbeing relate? 
Participants' descriptions of burnout and wellbeing highlighted that the two phenomena were linked by the interactions between registrars' personal and professional domains. Specifically, when a particular value is unfulfilled, an individual's reservoir will begin to drain faster than it can be refuelled. One registrar noted an example of an under-resourced healthcare system preventing registrars from adequately caring for their patients. Such a situation compromises registrars' ability to meet their personal and professional demands, creating a vicious cycle. This scenario can also be triggered when the ratio between personal and professional roles and responsibilities is unsustainable, resulting in one domain dominating the other. In both instances, burnout results. Section 4, Discussion. Key Findings. In this study, we explored conceptualisations of burnout and wellbeing in Australian GP registrars. Burnout was viewed as a multidimensional syndrome, thought to occur when a registrar's values and or goals were no longer met, thereby depleting the wellbeing reservoir. In this way, the personal-professional ratio was viewed as critical, an unsustainable ratio where one domain dominated the other to the point that certain values and or goals could no longer be met would result in burnout. Individual organisational value tension has previously been implicated in burnout development. However, we provide an overarching explanatory model that encompasses well-established processes, such as the absence of sufficient resources, as well as proposing that unfulfilment of an individual's professional and personal values and or goals is the central process by which burnout develops. This conceptualisation shows modest overlap with Pines' existential model, which posits that burnout arises from a sense of existential meaninglessness. However, Pines did not specifically discuss the role of values, a novel aspect of our model. In comparing the symptoms raised in our study and those in previous general population and medical education research, none of our dimensions are new. However, some are broader than previous articulations, for example, feeling overwhelmed and dissatisfaction. This is particularly true when examining the medical education literature. For example, relationship deterioration and feeling like an outsider are subsumed by disengagement. Moreover, no previous research has raised all of our dimensions. In conjunction with our proposal of burnout development, these findings suggest that existing measures of burnout may not fully capture the experience of trainees. When specifically compared with other medical education research, many of the symptoms have been identified within family medicine or GP trainees and trainees from other specialties. However, compromised performance has only been raised in one other GP sample. This may be associated with the lower supervision afforded in GP compared with other specialty training. The notion that burnout is not defined by the presence of all identified dimensions, with different groups flagging different symptoms, has implications for its assessment. Stakeholders that we interviewed reinforced the influence of context, especially registrars' typical behaviour, when determining whether burnout symptoms should be concerning, a critical aspect of any mental health assessment. Our findings therefore support a nuanced approach to conceptualising burnout. Practically, this suggests that interventions may need to be tailored to the symptomatic presentation of burnout among trainees. This is akin to the assessment and intervention of other formerly recognised mood disorders, where symptom variability is a feature. Wellbeing was also conceptualised as a multidimensional construct, involving personal and professional domains that interact to fuel an underlying wellbeing reservoir. 
By engaging in activities that are meaningful within each domain, the reservoir is sustained, although unfulfillment of values will lead to the reservoir's depletion, resulting in burnout. The structure of our wellbeing model shows strong similarities with the model previously synthesised from the literature, although incorporating important extensions, including outside interests, commitment and the wellbeing reservoir. There are also similarities with the theme of personal depletion raised by Odom and colleagues. This overlap supports the validity and transferability of our proposed wellbeing model in other GP or family medicine training settings. Our model extends current wellbeing models to provide a more nuanced concept of how a personal professional imbalance can result in burnout and potentially harm registrar's wellbeing. For example, one can use the model to understand why the adjustment from hospital settings to general practice is a stressor. Adjusting to the, the breadth of this specialty threatens registrar's professional confidence and competence, which can then compromise their values, for example, achievement and caring. Our proposed model can therefore be used to identify the underlying mechanisms and stresses that threaten registrar's wellbeing and consequently potential intervention targets. We contend that burnout and wellbeing are linked by the continuum of a trainee's value fulfillment. Interventions addressing burnout and or wellbeing should therefore focus on value fulfillment as the basic change mechanism. Interventions targeting higher level burnout causes, for example, low autonomy, without providing strategies to build trainees' awareness of and capacity to fulfill their values, that is, how is promoting autonomy supporting trainees' value fulfillment, may be less effective at addressing both burnout and wellbeing. A clear example for achieving this at an individual level comes from acceptance and commitment therapy, or ACT, a mindfulness-based behavioural therapy that identifies values as a core element of wellbeing. ACT protocols for non-clinical contexts, such as the workplace, may support this. As burnout and wellbeing involve a complex multifactorial web of causes, organisational level interventions must also be utilised. Such interventions can focus on removing system barriers that interfere with and provide support for trainees' capacity to fulfil their values, for example, promoting flexibility and work-life integration. Individualised and contextualised interventions are also important. The multidimensional nature of burnout suggests a need to explore how an individual's characteristics, for example personality, interact with their personal and professional contexts to reduce their symptom presentation. Likewise, individualistic and organisational interventions to promote wellbeing need to be cognisant of the constituents of personal and professional wellbeing. For instance, an organisation may provide employee assistance programs to support trainees' wellbeing, but offer little support for building collegial relationships. Limitations. Our findings must be considered with several limitations in mind. First, participants were sourced from a single training organisation. Efforts to compare our findings with the views and experiences of stakeholders in other geographical, cultural and specialty contexts will be invaluable to establish the transferability of our findings between groups. Second, the theoretical claims made from these findings require further exploration. One priority will be exploring the relationship between burnout and value fulfilment. Similarly, although burnout dimensions were proposed, the relationships between these are unclear. Further correlation and longitudinal quantitative research that operationalizes these constructs will help to test the models. Finally, participants were not required to have personally experienced burnout. 
Although some at least implied having experienced this, the stigma associated with burnout means we cannot be sure which participants had experienced some degree of burnout. The extent to which these findings are informed by lived experience is therefore unclear. Conclusion. This research supports the notion that burnout in GP registrars is a multidimensional construct that lies on a spectrum, with acknowledgement that burnout may present differently across individuals and contexts. We have also extended previous conceptualizations of wellbeing to offer a comprehensive burnout wellbeing model. Strategies to prevent and reduce burnout in this group should focus on maximising the fulfilment of registrars' values and goals. This will require combined efforts from registrars and broader system-wide changes across their work practices, supervisors and training organisations. Acknowledgements. The researchers would like to thank all those who participated in the interviews and focus groups in this study. They would also like to thank GPEX for their funding to support the study. Open Access Publishing was facilitated by the University of Adelaide as part of the Wiley University of Adelaide Agreement via the Council of Australian University Librarians. Mm -hmm.